Welcome back, bosses, to the Lily Grace Lifestyle Podcast. As always, I want to leave you here with more inspiration and value than you came here with. Today's guest is my aunt, and she's a certified dog trainer. She is a behavioral specialist when it comes to dogs, and I know a lot of my friends, and including me, got a COVID puppy. And sometimes you're wondering, what the heck do I do with this thing? We're home all day. What am I supposed to do? She talks a lot about canine enrichment, so for all of you dog lovers out there, including myself this episode is full of great information and tips and tricks when it comes to making your dog happy and adapting to their lifestyle Hi everyone, welcome back to the Lily Grace Lifestyle Podcast. Today I have someone that has known me since I came from China (laughs) Um, and she is my mom's little sister. My Auntie Monica is what I called her since I was like super young, but I'm so excited to have her on today. So thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm delighted to be uh, chatting on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, this is so great. So for the past Uh, for however long I can remember you've had dogs we've had dogs everyone's had dogs in our family it seems and you took that to the next level and became a dog trainer certified dog trainer and you can talk about all your certifications and stuff but before we get into that what is one thing that defines your lifestyle I would probably say um, kindness above all else and that's something that has has taken years to develop and continues to develop as um, particularly in the dog training field, um, you kind of get to a place where you think I'm doing the absolutely um, the most ethical things that I can do for my clients and their dogs. And mm-hmm. then someone else comes along and opens your, um, opens your eyes to another area. So I think above everything, kindness to fellow man fellow beast (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one I like that a lot especially during this time where everyone's kind of been cooped up and is now like re-entering the world I feel like everyone has a little social anxiety of like oh I don't know how to interact with people but like Mm -hmm. kindness like goes a long way so (laughs) yeah yeah awesome so can you talk a little bit about your background and give us a little introduction to who you are Sure. So I'm Monica Lair McMahon. My current business is Barrington Barks and Behavior. I am a Karen Pryor Academy certified training partner, which was an intensive uh, six month program, both in person and lots and lots of uh, work outside of the in person sessions. Mm-hmm. I I'm the mom of three adult children now um, and have one one grandson who I adore. Mm-hmm. Um, you've interviewed my my middle middle child, Hannah, who has a thriving uh, photography business. My oldest is raising my grandson mm-hmm. and my youngest is in the Marines. Yes. So when my youngest Adam was about two years old, I just could not wait any longer to have animals in the house. (laughs) Um, I grew up with a mom who had 
pretty extreme fears of dogs. So we were never allowed to have any animals. And I totally get that. She had an incident with a dog when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started fostering and that was about 27 years ago. I just went to the local shelter and I said, hey, I'm available. I have a <laughs> you know, secure home and I, I'd like to foster. And over that time period, I fostered uh, dogs, cats, puppies, kittens, iguanas, <laughs> pretty much any any animal they asked me to. Um, I had a few litters here, both kittens and puppies. Mm-hmm. And of course, all that time I spent with the animals, um, I really felt like I wanted to do the absolute best for them before they were, were adopted. So I started um, independent study with people like Torid Rugas, who's a, a Norwegian um, dog trainer and behavior expert. Uh, Debbie Jacobs, who's, who's focused on fearful dogs. Um, eventually I took my first um, kind of structured class at All Dogs Gym in Manchester and um, completed that. And then uh, from there, I said, eventually some more time went by and I said, okay. At the time, there was still a huge emphasis on changing a dog's behavior through use of um, kind of harsh techniques. Mm. And I said, we need to, I need to do something about that because this is just wrong. Um, I wouldn't use harsh techniques on my fellow man and we should not be using them on animals who who don't have a voice and can't tell us how how wrong they are yeah so I started my business yeah and then I got my Karen Pryor certification Um, and now what's happening kind of in the training world even though I have some roots from this it's like a pendulum swing for anyone who has kids, there's this pendulum and we go between maybe very um, into letting our children um, explore the world at their own pace Mm -hmm. and, and really gain knowledge through experiences to the pendulum swing of don't let your kid do anything, control them, control everything they do, and then you have somewhere in the middle. Same with dog training. Um, when I was a kid, we let our, we didn't have dogs, but my neighbors, you know, you, you could let your dog out, they do dog things, <laughs> and then they kind of socialize with who they wanted, and then they'd come home at night to eat their food. <laughs> Obviously, we can't do that anymore. It's not safe to. But then we came kind of into the middle where, okay, we can't do that anymore. So we have to um, train them and help them adjust to our human world. And then somewhere along the line, um, with some popular TV shows, we got to Mm. control everything that the dog does. You're the... um, You're the one in charge. That dog needs to respect you and do exactly as you say. Mm. So we're swinging back now, and there's a a pretty big movement um, in the training world to recognize that our dogs are sentient beings, Mm -hmm. and their emotions have to be first before anything else. Before we try to change their behavior, we have to examine their emotional state and why they do the things they do, and what can we do 
to meet those emotional and physical and mental needs before just stepping in and saying, mm-hmm. I just don't want you to do that. I'm going to change it. Yeah. So, huh. That so is so interesting. Like when you said you were growing up with your neighbor's dogs and they just ran around the neighborhood and then came back. Cause as a kid, we had Bud down the road who did that. And we thought it was the weirdest thing because it's like, hello, he might get hit by a car or something. But yeah. And I think you're right about the pendulum swing because I feel like with even like fashion trends or any type of technological trends, it always swings the other way again. So I can see that. And like what do you want to say what shows possibly change people's mind about controlling their dog? <laughs> I would say probably the worst influence that came out more recently was Caesar Milan. Hmm. Um, just his techniques, his his harsh handling of the dogs, and and what he basically was was doing was suppressing. Uh, a dog's behavior through fear and intimidation Hmm. so same same with you and I Lily Grace I could scare the bejesus out of you and you might stop doing whatever it was that I didn't like but you still have all of that inside you yeah (laughs) plus you feel you could feel terrible about me so um, that really rocketed the dog training world in the wrong direction huh Um, Huh. That is so interesting. Yeah. Cause a lot of it is psychology, like just like humans, it's psychology. Yeah. 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 So in a sense, you're like a dog psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) No qualifications there, just self-study. Yeah. I I certainly follow people like um, Jack Panksepp who identified um, the seven core emotional systems in dogs. That would be rage, seeking, care, lust. And he was also known as the rat tickler. He's a, he's a neurobiologist and a, um, a psychobiologist. And he, this was years ago that he was, was pushing for people to recognize that animals had emotion just like us. Yeah. And for some reason, we just swung away from that. So. Huh. That's so interesting. Yeah, because I feel like it's like common sense, like every living thing has emotions, but I guess we never really address that. Yeah. And it's hard because, uh, you know, you, you bring an animal into your life and you have um, expectations, which probably are societal expectations that you will teach your dog to sit, lay down, come here, and they will never have an issue. Yeah. And really those body position behaviors, other than the recall, do not have anything to do with how that animal feels. True. My dog can be terrified sitting or she can <laughs> not be sitting. It's not the sitting, yeah. you know, that, that helps her feel good in the world. Hmm. That's so true. Cause you're right about society telling like, oh, this is what dogs are supposed to do, or this is what your kid's supposed to do. Um, and talk to us about potato Penelope, Penelope, Penelope <laughs> potato. So, like, like many people, even being as educated as I am at this point, I had a, a little laundry list in my head of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. 
I wanted to adopt a dog who I could, who could be my demo dog, who I could take wherever I felt like taking. I wanted her to be my buddy and we just go out and do whatever the heck basically I wanted. <laughs> so I'm, I, I fell into that too. But when I, when I brought her home at uh, nine weeks old, I immediately realized that she was not your typical puppy. She did not follow like a typical puppy would. She was terrified of the sounds of metal. She was terrified of the refrigerator door opening, a blind opening, uh, the camera click, the coffee maker, the dishwasher, the car. The floor. The floor. It was this huge um, ball of anxiety. And so I, and, and on top of that, she was an extreme resource guarder at nine weeks old. Um, so it was a little heartbreaking at first because I set myself up with these expectations. And when mm -hmm. this other living being didn't meet them, um, I, was, I was shocked and saddened. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, we're in a different place now um, because she is a marvelous, a marvelous little being all on her own. Um, you know, we've worked through a lot of her fears. She still has things that um, I adjust in the environment to make her as comfortable as possible. Um, no, we don't go everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. But we take woods walks. We hang out with friends. Yeah. Um, she is not terrified when the refrigerator door closes. <laughs> I, I've modified my environment and my behavior too um, to meet her where she is instead mm -hmm. of trying to just change her. Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of created an environment that would support her. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, she has progressed. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely, I think so. Um... How old is she again? Like four? She's going to be three? three in July. Three. Okay. Yeah. So she's not that old. I remember when you brought her, she's so cute and she was very friendly and she likes people and she likes to play with the other dogs, my dogs. Um, but I think that what you said about changing your environment and your behaviors to meet hers some people that might scare them so mm -hmm. can you kind of like walk us through that scenario because I'm sure a lot of people get rescue dogs who maybe are afraid of men or certain things yeah. about them like where did that come from yeah and I think I'm never really going to know what happened to her mm -hmm. um, in her first nine weeks or prior to that but I know who she is as a result of her genetics, mm. her early experiences, birth to nine weeks, mm -hmm. her, her mother's um, state while she was pregnant with my dog. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, and, and she has some breed influences too. She's a Spaniel, Border Collie, Australian Shepherd Lab mix. <laughs> so some of, some of those inherited um, traits are with her. Yeah. And I, tend to pick out border collie as being very aware of the world because yeah. 
that's part of them. They need to see what's going on and react quickly without direction from their person. You yeah. know, if they're in their um, in, in the job that they were bred for. Knowing where the dog came from and then what you're talking about with the human changing their environment and changing yes. their behavior because some people are like, well, I'm not going to like change my life for my dog. Yeah. Can you and talk about to, that? Yeah, what I would have to say is um, you will be making it harder for yourself if you don't make changes um, to, to meet your dog where they are because you will suffer the behavioral fallout um, mm. from their suffering. Um, if your dog is in constant fear, if they're constantly anxious, if they're constantly barking, if you don't take those steps in the beginning, or if you didn't take them in the beginning, take them now mm -hmm. to adjust things to make it better for your dog. If you don't do that, ultimately you're the one that's going to be suffering right along with the dog. Yeah, you're uh, right. It's not that difficult. You know, you mentioned Poppy being, um, uncomfortable on the on the floor afraid of the floor mm -hmm. and I have rugs in my house um, I have a great big wide open kitchen uh, that it's like this sea of lava to her yes and I covered it um, mm -hmm. now there's probably um, a medical component to her aversion of slippery surfaces Right. and to her noise sensitivity. Um, and that's an ongoing process that we continue to explore, but she is under the care of a veterinary behaviorist and she's on um, some pain medications uh, so that she can live her best life. And right. ultimately when she's happy, I mean, of course I'm gonna feel happier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you can definitely tell when a dog's anxious or just afraid or just not happy, just like a person, you can usually tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. And you know what it's like when you're around a friend who is who is either afraid or upset, it affects you too. It you does. You want to do whatever you can to help that person, even yeah. if it's just being with them, mm -hmm. even if you're not physically doing you're not doing anything to change their behavior but you're like hey i am here with you I, you let me know if you need me but i'm going to stay here and i will be here to support you yeah yeah and a lot of times that's what the dog needs just mm -hmm. knowing that that care system is in place um, you're their person they trust you um, and you're not going to abandon them to their their fears anxieties or their struggles mm. Yeah, similar to a child or a friend, like you said. Uh -huh. yeah. So in general, um, talk about the clients that you attract. What types of clients are you working with? If you can talk about that. Sure. Um, I would say I have a good number who um, whose dogs have big emotions about the outside world and aren't really sure how to express those. Um, <laughs> They can be overwhelmed by, um, you know, the sight of a man approaching, the, the stranger, a car, um, and for whatever reason, and a lot of times we're never going to know. It's nice to have some background, but if you, excuse me, if you don't have background, you just look at your dog. <laughs> They're overwhelmed by whatever it is. Yeah. And, um, so I would say many of my clients. Um, are in that category. Mm -hmm. uh, also have puppies yep. um, and puppies 
not blank slates. They are formed individuals. Um, they have a history, even at eight weeks old, like I said before, they have that first eight weeks, they have the maternal care, they carry whatever stress the mother could have been experiencing during pregnancy. So uh, puppies are not blank slates. They are, they're, I'm just going to say they're little people. They're not, people. <laughs> <Sounds like laughs> they're it. little individuals already. Yeah. So. When you were talking about people or not people again not people <laughs> the dogs going out into the world and fear feeling overwhelmed like before the show we said I feel like people are feeling like that now some people um because of COVID like we're all yeah. experiencing these same feelings including the dogs so I guess if you're listening and you don't really know what we're talking about I guess you can relate in that sense <laughs> and you know for us we have the choice to take the time we need to figure that process out of getting back into society. Yeah. And we really owe it to our dogs to give them time instead of just, hey, don't bark at that. How about, you know, you need more time. Let's back things up a little bit. There's no rush. We're yeah. going to help you along. I'm going to give you the time that you need um, to really figure this out with yeah. guidance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like with a child, you do the same thing when mm -hmm. they're newborn babies, like you're not Absolutely. just gonna have a baby and then bring it out to like, target yeah. the first day and be like, hey, go, go to school like no. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And do you think I know there's like stereotypes on certain breeds and stuff. What are your thoughts on that? What, what I will say first is that each dog is an individual, just as each human is an individual. You can't um, clump mm. maybe temperaments or per you can't really call it personality because it's a dog, but <laughs> each dog is an individual. However, each dog has genetic material that was inherited um, from parents and depending on you know, what those, if those parents were purpose bred, I mentioned border collie before, if you adopt a working border collie, you have to be aware that their genetics are going to play a part in their behavior. Mm -hmm. um, we can't just pretend that none of that is important. It is important. Mm -hmm. So for, for, Bully breeds, I would just say um, they're individuals, um, depending on what their genetics are, is going to influence their behavior. And with any dog, I don't want to pick out bully breeds, but with any large, powerful breed, um, there is potential um, for any dog can have, a, have an issue. But a big powerful breed could inflict damage on on another dog or a human in a different way that a chihuahua could <laughs> yeah so it's just something to bear in mind that yeah. you know you're you are responsible for for this individual and you need to keep safety first with, with any dog exactly um, safety first safety for the dog and for those it interacts with yeah and I'm not calling out bully breeds because I agree like I think like pit bulls they can be the nicest mm -hmm. pet, pet ever like Sarah had a pit bull like Ellie was so cute and like I've met aggressive dachshunds and and you talked about a lot of your certifications and all of the trainings that you've done for your business you have spent 
hours and hours and months and years on this stuff. Can you like break that down and like kind of tell us about that? So my, probably my foundational learning, um, a lot of that included clicker training, Mm -hmm. um, which is basically using a little mechanical um, device that makes click sound after which um, when your dog does something that you would like them to do, click reward. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a mark and reward system. Um, That was something that I um, studied along with learning theory at All Dogs Gym. Um, And then I took some, I took another course with Denise Mazzola, um, who is also um, a mark and reward trainer. I did some training, um, like I said, mentioned before, with Torrid Rugas, who is really into the natural dog and what dogs need um, to be um, fulfilled as dogs. And I'm still doing some of those courses now. Um, I did a lot of study with fearful dogs because when I was fostering, Mm. I had a lot of fearful dogs. Yeah, you did. (laughs) So I felt like that really needed to be um, an area of knowledge for me. And then I got a certification with um, Michael Shikashio, who is the kind of the aggression expert in this country. Um, I've done some work with him. And then I can't name them all, but more recently, um, within the last couple of years, um, uh, Canine Enrichment with Allie Bender and Emily Strong, they wrote a book and I did some courses with them. Uh, Another kind of an intensive program, Dynamic Dog Practitioner Program, which I hopefully will have a certification in August. And that is based on um, the influence of pain in behavior. So we're studying um, anatomy and physiology, um, gait, confirmation, activities of daily living, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think it's so cool. Like you have continued your education in that sense and you're continuing your education on a subject that you love. And mm-hmm. I think it's never too late to start if people are listening and they're like, oh, I'm too old for this. Like you're never too old. <laughs> anything like so I love that you have kind of like had that courage to carry forward with all these different certifications yeah I think um I just listened to a um or I was in a webinar with Robert Hewings who's a um (sighs) Dr. Robert Hewings who's very big in scent work and um, he said something that really stuck with, with me, which was, um, you know, ignite your seeking system. He was speaking about, about dogs, but it's true mm-hmm. for us too. Mm-hmm. When you're in that seeking mode, and for, for me, it's seeking information, seeking knowledge, um, you come alive, mm-hmm. you know? And what he was talking about was a dog using their um, olfactory system and, and other senses to gather information about their world. Mm. Uh, that's what we're, that's what we're meant to do as beings. We seek, you know, partners, we seek social contact, we seek food, we seek dogs and people, but people, you know, employment, we seek happiness. Uh, We need to be in that seeking system. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the 
with the quarantine and all that, I think the social contact, when that was taken away from us, we realized like, oh shoot, like this is actually a big part of my life and I didn't know that. And yeah, I mean, like going back to the city, like I'm here now, it's been weird, like being able to see as many people as I wanted to versus like being back at home. It's like a very strange thing, like similar to a dog, I'm sure. Yeah. So for people with COVID puppies, what is some advice that you can give them? Snoopy, my pug, if anyone knows, um, I miss him so much. He was a COVID puppy. He's a spoiled puppy because he literally was born in COVID and we got him in COVID. And obviously three or two out of four people at my house were home all the time. So he never really was ever alone. And now mom's at home with him. So he's just continuing that. But what's some advice that you can give for people who have a COVID puppy and are maybe like, oh gosh, this is a lot more work than I thought. (laughs) So what I would first say is not all aspects of of having a puppy during COVID are bad. And what I see with your Snoopy is that (laughs) um, he is a confident little fella. So the the one positive in less exposure to other people and dogs is that they don't have bad experiences. Right. So for for a puppy pre-COVID who went to a puppy class and was feeling great and <laughs> one of the other puppies bullied them, that one experience can have a lasting effect on that puppy for life. Yeah. So that's the positive is that when you're restricted with um, your exposures, um, you're not having any negative exposures. True, yeah. So I think people sometimes forget that. The, the other thing is when you, go, you know, when you got puppies during COVID, a lot of people were around all the time. So instead of leaving the brand new puppy to scream their little head off <laughs> and potentially do neurological damage to themselves because they were frantic, they were away from their mother and di- mother and litter mates, um, that isolation could have a really negative effect on the dog. People mm-hmm. were around to support their puppy. Mm-hmm. So also, you know, can be a good thing. Um, now I know good. Snoopy is, um, he, he has some things to say. <laughs> he is very uh, vocal. I think one time, or like before, uh, this summer, he was perfectly fine in the car and around people because um, we saw a few and far between like people yeah. outside, but something happened. And then all of a sudden he started screaming in the car and barking at people. Maybe that's our fault, though. But you, I mean, that's the other thing is that once something comes up, you're not doing any yourself any good by trying to assign blame somewhere. Yeah. So you have the dog that you have now. Um, if something happened, that's unfortunate. But you can't. You're not going to do either you or your dog any good by yeah. you know trying to assign yourself blame. You just have to look at your dog and say, okay, he has some need that's going unmet here. Um, I perhaps would um, spend a little more time getting him into the car, playing a game, having some snacks and getting out before actually driving. And I know that's really hard. A a lot of times we try to work in the problem 
So the problem is barking in the car. People put the dog in the car and start driving. Well, now the dog is over the top. Yeah. You can't really learn anything. Mm -hmm. So you have to back things up and start where the dog is comfortable and can cope and can learn. Yeah, that's a good point. progress. (laughs) You do a really good job with kind of taking it step by step because like these are things that normal people like me wouldn't even think about, even though I've had dogs my whole life. So it's, this is why you hire trainer people, but (laughs) you have so many good tricks and some of my favorites include the snuffle mats, which you can describe and the scent gardens. Can you tell us about a couple of those things? Sure. So because I am um, meeting both my own and my dog's needs, this is an area that I'm really excited about, everything canine enrichment. And basically canine enrichment is just meeting a dog's needs Mm -hmm. through whatever techniques and methods um, are appropriate for the dog. And part of that is to meet a dog's needs for foraging. Mm-hmm. Um, so a snuffle mat is basically a little rug that has very long, um, long, fi- long fibers or fleece that you can hide treats in, yeah. um, food or treats. The one thing I would say is that um, you don't want your dog to, to be, you don't want to be presenting this to your dog when they're frantic, mm-hmm. because then the snuffle mat is going to be associated with um, not good things. You know, they're like, I just want the food. I, I'm frustrated. We don't <laughs> want frustration. Yeah. We want foraging. Yeah. Um, so snuffle mats, um, those are great. I do certainly um, use nature's snuffle mats and that could be longer grass that's so smart we used to do that or we do that now and it's so smart you just throw the food out there spread it around over and you know they're they're using all kinds of senses when they're finding these treats they're obviously using their nose but they're getting the um you know touch the the feel of the grass or clover or whatever it is on their face and feet, uh, paws. Um, (laughs) Now they're out in the fresh air. Maybe there's a breeze. So it's not, they have to use their nose a little bit more to locate things. They could be looking at it using their vision. Um, And of course, while that's going on, if they're stepping on the grass and it's making noise or rustling, all those senses are kind of activated and active in that process. Yeah, totally. And then you mentioned scent gardens before. Can you kind of tell us about that? Because my mom said that you had one going on, I think, in your house, in your yard. (laughs) Yes, it's always a work in progress. But I started um, probably one winter uh, I was severely lacking greenery, so I started doing a little research on what kind of plants would be um, safe for dogs. And then from there, that led me down the path of actually what plants could be beneficial to dogs and what might dogs enjoy. And I had my um, cat, Karini, at the time, mm-hmm. so I wanted it to both be dog and cat safe. And simplest thing in the world was to grow some, some wheat grass. Oh. Um, you know, it was wonderful over the winter. It grows like crazy. It's beautiful and green. Every dog that I've had into that, this house has been excited about that (laughs) grass. And then of course, from there, you know, I've added uh, marigolds and lemon balm, lavender, Mm. thyme, rosemary, sage, parsley. I, I have working on some valerian, 
Um, I have some chocolate mint out in the yard, which is not dangerous to dogs. Um, so I'm kind of building things. I have my little setup inside the house, but outside it's, it is more of a sensory garden huh. where I have woods, I have a rocky area, I have grassy area, different textures, um, platforms that your wonderful sister Molly made me. I made a little design and I asked Molly, you know, so that a dog that wanted to get up higher could get up higher and just like Snoopy <laughs> and look around. Yeah. Um, they like to dig underneath them, which is great too. That's another thing you know, kind of a dog thing that like, I really want to dig. You I've basically had... have a dog paradise in your house <laughs> and in your backyard, which I love. Working on it. That's so cute. And for the scent garden, obviously they smell it, but do they eat it too sometimes? Yep. So that's one of the reasons that you really want to make sure that the plants are safe. Yeah. Non-toxic. And of course, almost anything can be toxic in um, massive quantities. Right. But um, check the ASPCA has a, has, um, a toxic and non-toxic pl plant list that you should check. But yes, they do. They sample things. Good, good. Um, I mean, I would if I was a dog. <laughs> That's so great. Bushes in the yard and um, they will eat the blueberries right off the wild blueberry bushes, which is yeah. Yeah. When mom and I went on walks with the three dogs last summer, they used to eat the blueberries. It was so <clears> cute. <laughs> Those are some great ways to entertain your dog and enrich them, like you said. I think one of the best things that you can do is to allow your dog to sniff, <laughs> to get them into their seeking system, to give them time to process the world. So whether you're anxious or overexcited, you want to give the dog time. And that looks, it could look like instead of going for a, a neighborhood walk where the dog is just, wow, this is too much. <laughs> I'm going to bark at everything or I'm going to try to run away. Maybe you put your, your dog on a properly fitted harness, wide front <laughs> and long line and take two steps out the door and just stop and let the dog sniff wherever they want while you follow. Yeah. And that's something too, that my mom always said on the walk. Cause we're always like, come on, come on, we got to go. But that's good to let them yeah. sniff a little bit. Yeah. And she takes everything that you say very seriously. And then she's <laughs> like, you're doing that wrong. You're doing that wrong. I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, but it's good. It's good though. Yeah, if you could imagine, you know, Lily Grace, someone telling you, you can't look at your phone, you can't <laughs> listen to music, yeah. you can't watch, I don't know if you're a TV watcher, you can't do your podcast. Yeah. Those are all the things that you really enjoy doing. And when we take our dog on a marching walk, <laughs> that's basically what we're telling them is put your blinders on, just move <laughs> your feet and don't take in any information. So. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I feel like that's another thing, like our lives have changed. Like we're always in a rush, like probably in the, back in the 1900s, people were just like casually walking their dog. But now we're like, come on, we got 20 minutes until. They weren't, they weren't walking their dogs. Oh, they weren't. Yeah. They just they, let them go. It was a different lifestyle, you know. Huh, that's so interesting. People walking dogs is, is more of a modern thing. And that became really? thing because huh. we could no longer just open the door and let the dog out that's so funny yeah 
Huh. That is so cool. So we're basically modern dog owners, guys. If you walk your dog, what is one thing you would tell your old self about your current self? I would just say, keep going. Keep Keep doing the things. Yeah, no, that's good. I feel like a lot of guests, when I ask them a similar question, they say, just do it or keep going. You got this. Like, it's a lot of just like self motivation when you are an entrepreneur because no one else is telling you to do anything (laughs) and I I think I'm going to add to that too because I I think keep going and keep doing the things is really important but you have to have um, an open enough mind to hear Mm. especially in my field right the research and um, the newer there's some newer old things that are coming back. <laughs> you can't be so set in your beliefs that you don't allow new thoughts to come in um, because that cripples you and it, it does no good for the humans or dogs that you're trying to help. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. So if someone's listening and they're in the dog industry or the behavioral aspects industry, what is some piece of advice that you could give them? I would say be open to what is going on right now with people like Andrew Hale, Kathy Murphy, Kim Brophy, um, look at Torrid Rugas, be open to the fact that we are shifting, we need to shift. It's no longer about the dog is doing the behavior and I want it to stop, so I'm going to make it stop. What the flavor is building as now is this sentient being has emotional needs. And before I do anything about changing behavior, I have to acknowledge and address those and value and cherish them. There you go. That's an amazing (laughs) piece of advice. And finally, can you plug yourself and tell us where people can find you? Absolutely. Um, On Facebook, I am Barrington Parks and Behavior, LLC. I have a website, barringtonbarksandbehavior.com, Gmail of the same. I'm so sorry. It's such a long and rambling (laughs) name. (laughs) Yeah, that's where you can find me. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was so fun. It was awesome. Can I I add one thing? Because there is one more plug. I am currently... Um, I've just rolled out a new program, Sensory Explorers, which is all all about meeting all of a dog's needs Mm. uh, in a safe environment that is one-on-one, myself, the dog's human, and the dog, no other dogs around, Um, and you can check that out on my Facebook page. Awesome. I love that. Yes, definitely go check her out on Facebook. She's very active there. She goes live. She does really fun things. You had Snoopy on there. So anything with Snoopy, I love, (laughs) but yeah, so no, go check her out. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening in. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed this episode. And if that inspired you, I would love if you shared on your social media platforms and tagged me at lilygrace underscore lifestyle on Instagram. Or you can visit my website at www.lilygraceyork.com to see my show notes and leave a review as well. I would love to hear your feedback, so please tell me everything and anything that you learned today. Stay classy, stay bossy, and stay listening. Thank you.